0: This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Relief Cast. Thank you once again for joining us. I want to thank all of you for believing in me and for all your support. This has been a wonderful experience. And I am grateful today as well to have an amazing person that I really look up to. He's been a really good friend of myself and my family for years, and he's helped me out in so many ways. His name is Richard Osler. Thank you for joining us. Great to be here, Todd. Yeah, um, you know, uh, we've known each other for how long? How, how long has it been now?
1: Twenty five years. Has it been twenty
0: five. Yeah, that makes us makes us feel old, right? I know, and that's post high <laughs> school, so we are old. <laughs> yeah, um, well, you know, Richards, uh, he's he's a former YSA bishop and a small business owner. You know, you speak at firesides and conferences. Uh, you fully embrace the LGBTQ Latter Day Saints. Um, you see their gifts, you give them a voice, you have a podcast, um, the Learn, uh, Listen, Learn, and Love podcast. And we were just talking before, you've done 270 podcasts. That's amazing.
1: It is. And as you know, as a podcast ho- host, it's an honor to bring voice to other people. Yeah. And so you can amplify other voices of awesome people that we both met yes. in our journey to help understand other people and And the podcast, just a great platform, particularly in the space I'm in, to amplify voices of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. That started when I was a YSA bishop. I'd never really met anybody that was and sort of had priesthood responsibility. Yeah. And I've just sort of kept doing that and trying to do the best I can to amplify their voices.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to have you on. I really am. I'm, uh, you, this is your second time being on. Honored. <laughs> and uh, I remember when, we f- when when I first had you on, I was like, man, I can't wait to have you on again because there was so much to talk about. Um, I do want to mention um, that you are, you know, you're a devout, faithful uh, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, you, you make no apology of that. But what I do love about you um, is that you really look at those who have maybe at times been ousted or have been looked upon as, you know, you don't belong kind of thing, again, in in the gay community out there. And you have really given a voice to people who have felt like, who do I even talk to? And I'm telling you, you have really made an impact, not only on myself and my family, but I, you know, thousands and thousands of other people. Thank you. Yeah, honored. Sure. It's it's awesome. Um, you're married to your beautiful wife Sheila, and you have six children. Is that right? That's right, and several grandchildren. What what does several mean? That's it means that's a big three. Number. <laughs> okay, um,
1: three. So we're honored to have three.
0: <laughs> three is good. Three is good. Well, um, I do want to thank uh, real quick our sponsor, of Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing me as well and allowing uh, me to to move this uh, message onto many more people. And without your help, I couldn't do that. So I need to give them a shout out. And so I'm just excited to sit down with you and just, just chat and have people get to know a little bit more about, you know, why you even did this podcast in the first place. And, you know, just some background there, I think will be really good. And let's kind of maybe start there
1: yeah my my journey, as I briefly mentioned, I was a singles ward bishop, a congregation of unmarried latter-day saints, and I mm-hmm. had a couple gay men in the ward. and it was the first time I had priesthood responsibility for a gay latter-day saint and yeah. that shifted everything for me and I thought, what do I need to do to help meet the needs of these wonderful members? And I spent a lot of time listening for the first time. I I thought in my brain it'd be better to me to listen to gay. Yeah. Latter-day Saints tell me about gay Latter-day Saints, and straight Latter-day Saints tell me about gay Latter-day Saints. So over a period of time, I tried to deprogram myself for everything I picked up about LGBTQ people and let LGBTQ people tell me about LGBTQ people, which is a principle of all groups, um, groups that you amplify voices here on your yeah. awesome podcast. And that just gradually um, moved into doing saying things on social media about LGBTQ people and my son-in-law, who commuted in D.C. at the time, said, your Facebook posts are too long. You ought to do a podcast because <laughs> I could listen. And kids then kids are I,
0: brutally honest with you, right? <laughs> yeah, and so I
1: thought, I need to listen to a podcast. So we started a podcast, and I thought it would just be me talking, but quickly— I felt impressions from Heavenly Father that would be a great platform for LGBTQ people to share their story. And that's what uh, really makes the podcast go. Right. It's not really me, it's the people I bring on for the sure. podcast and their ability to share their story. And it's a pretty safe venue, as you know. So if I'm for the first time want to listen to LGBTQ people and I'm worried I might say the wrong thing if I meet with someone face to face, it's a great platform just to learn. Yeah. and grow so you can better meet the needs and see LGBTQ contributions and sort of understand their unique and difficult journey as a
0: Latter-day Saint. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I think because of that decision you've made, you've you've really helped so many people in that in that area. Um you mentioned something just a minute ago that really struck me. You said I had to deprogram myself. Get explain that a little bit because I think that's helpful for all of us to hear this because I, I, I think I know where what you meant with it, but let's maybe go into more depth.
1: Yeah. My spiritual impression was is that I had internalized homophobia and transphobia, and I think that's true of racism and sexism and other things that are part of me that perhaps innocently I picked up. I'm 59 years old, mm-hmm. and it's pretty hard to see those within ourselves, um, and particularly with LGBTQ, I just felt a feeling that I didn't know what was accurate or not, the opinions that I had formed about this community. So my impression was, to use a computer term, I wiped my hard drive clean and just said, I'm Uh, going back to square one. And then it just had this desire to be filled up with accurate information. Um, And I felt most of that should come from LGBTQ people. And parents of LGBTQ children. Yeah. So I started listening to stories and just felt myself being programmed the way God wanted me to see this group of people. And that's been transforming for me. And um, I call it sometimes the trap of unearned opinions. Oh, Um, yeah. It's easy to develop opinions about black teenagers, people with addictions, um, just different groups that we're not a part of. It takes more humility to say, I'm not going to form an opinion about a group of people until I meet people in that group. Um, and then I can better learn about that group. And it takes a lot of humility sometimes to do that because we might recognize our own internal errors and bias in the process. And for some that can be pretty unsettling and we're aware then of the pain we perhaps have caused others. So that's what I love about your podcast and the podcast platform in general.
0: Wow. That is powerful. And I think, you know, you said that that was, that's challenging because again, we form our opinions and then we think we're right. And I, and I know I'm guilty of that. And for you to do what you, what you did, I mean, that says a lot about you already. And I think that's why your podcast has been so uh, successful is because you, again, we talked about it when I think I was actually on your podcast, we talked about that wounded healer, so to speak, good memory that authenticity, you know, I think you wanted, you know, people who know you, you're very authentic, and I think you come across that way, and I think you are like, I want to hear it from the people that are actually going through the trenches. I want it to be authentic, and that really comes across in your podcast.
1: Well, I agree, and the heroes of the podcast, just like yours, are the brave people that vulnerably tell their stories, Yeah. and some of the most sacred spiritual experiences I'm having in my life are sitting with people in in those sacred places as they open up, and And you're right, people are healed as they vulnerably and authentically share their stories. We heal each other by being vulnerable and honest versus projecting this perfection uh, mindset that is often unsustainable and not real. And so I think we do better when we're just honest and vulnerable and real. And you're good at that. You are great on the podcast and with your life ministry as you talk about your own journey. When I see you in front of schools and um, high schools and speaking in the public settings you do. I just recognize those people are learning valuable skills about being honest and vulnerable and giving hope to other people at overcoming that they can overcome difficult
0: things. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Very well said. Well, you know, um, we were talking about this before as well. You're actually coming out with a book in September of this year, and it's called listen, learn, and love embracing the LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And so tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of why you decided to write a book.
1: Good question, Todd. As as other allies in this space know, I just get, most mornings I spend a couple hours, the first couple hours at work, and luckily I'm a small business owner. <laughs> right. and I report to myself and my clients, I guess, and <laughs> I just nice. spend a lot of time um, answering questions that LGBTQ people, LDS parents, and local leaders have about this space. And I just felt over time that a book would be helpful um, for lots of people. So I, um, Cedar Fort, an LDS publisher in Utah County, reached out to me, and oh, really? And at the same time, I felt impressed to do a book. Um, Steve Young, our NFL quarterback, is writing the forward to the book. We become nice. that's kind of name droppy We've become really good friends, <laughs> and he's an that's active awesome. Latter-day Saint, and also supports LGBTQ people in this way, and. We've never talked football. We just talk about how to help LDS LGBTQ people and create better understanding in this space. But the book is a little different because it's not just one story. It's not my story. Um, I take key topics and then um, have LGBTQ people or parents of LGBTQ address those topics because there's so much misinformation out there like pornography. Pornography causes someone to be LGBTQ, and that's something that I probably thought at one point. Now I just—that's just, you, uh, as just that's a false statement, and right. there's probably 30 different false statements in the book that we may say that aren't accurate. A lot of church quotes back up um, dispelling these false statements, so it's not new doctrine. It's just understanding um, science right. and society. Pornography is something you need to try— um, and something to get addicted to. Being gay isn't something you try and then become gay. It's who you are yeah. and how you were born. So there's a difference there. Pornography is something obviously I encourage people to overcome, but it's very different than just core sexual orientation, exactly. um, which is not within our agency. Yeah. And so that's just a subtle thing. But if you're always, if your sexual orientation is being compared to pornography or dysfunctional parents or because you were sexually abused or because God made a mistake or lots of other reasons to sort of talk about why someone is not straight. It just adds to their burden and they feel, um, outside of God's love and who they are is a mistake. And then when you're outside of God's love and you look in the mirror and just see shame, you just make lots, you're more likely not to make good decisions in your life going forward.
0: Yeah. You know, shame, um, is a really, Kind of a bad place to be in. Not even kind of. It is a bad place to be in because, you know, shame is that where you're in that kind of victim stance mentality that leads you, like you said, to doing some unhealthy things that you wouldn't normally do, but you're trying to mask that hurt and that feelings that you have around that, and and so you the way you just said what you said was so well put, and I think, I mean, if that's kind of what the book's about and that's kind of what you're going to be doing, I mean, I. That's going to be amazing for people to get more information on this. Yeah, so
1: it's, I think it's, that's a good word, Todd. It's informational, but it's it's really bringing LGBTQ voices to life, to share, um, so we can just do better, and we don't innocently say things in our congregations and our family circles that add to the burden of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Um, and we develop more empathy for the unique and difficult road that they face, um, and so church becomes more of the balm of Gilead versus potentially something they're kind of on defensive mode for what they might hear um, right. that would add to their burden. We need to develop more empathy and understand the difficult road um, these this segment of Latter-day Saints face. And those that step away, why some leave our faith and why I invite everybody to stay, I recognize that some LGBTQ people choose to leave our faith. And I've learned to just honor that and not make right. them—they don't need to go from the poster boy of what's right from for society and the way to right. be to the villain the next day. They're, they're the same person, and we need to support them um, on their unique life path. I've learned to sort of say that each LGBT person needs to find their own path. Their road is so unique, and we shouldn't take one path and sort of project it on another LGBTQ person. Right. And sort of me as a straight guy say, this is how you do it. I think— each has to work with Heavenly Father to find their path and they need our support in an unconditional way and keep them shame, as you'd know, mm-hmm. deconnects us from God and personal revelation. right. And that's one of Satan's biggest tools with LGBTQ people is is to it reside in their shame and self-loathing and to think that they're a mistake. They're not worthy of God's love, who they are and how they feel inside is an abomination to God. So then if you feel that way, you're going to make really bad choices.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, But if you say that this is, if you can get to the point where a lot of LGBT people get to is, this is how God created me. And he loves the way he created me. And it makes my life mission possible. And he, and I'm not a mistake. Um, Yeah, my life's hard and it's unique and painful at times. But then you stay more connected to God. Right, Um,
0: And you feel his love and support as you go forward in your life. I love that. You know, I love the word connection. Um, In you know, with the clients I work with, we always say, you know, I've always said to my clients, connection is the opposite of addiction. And because when we're in our addiction, whatever it might be, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, we're, we're like you said, we're disconnected. And, and that that is that's why addiction's so um destructive because we continue it's that shame cycle right you stay in there you do all these you continue doing the addiction to unfortunately people overdose and die or they they get put in prison or jail that kind of thing but it's if when it comes right down to it it's because they don't feel connected to anybody or or their higher power or god or whoever it may be
1: well I really agree with that and I'm just a, I mean, one more comment about the book, then I'd love to talk about addiction. Um, the book is called Listen, Learn, and Love. Um, as, as Todd said, embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And the Listen, Learn, and Love is the name of my podcast, and I also have a website called listenlearnandlove.org. But that is, to answer your earlier question, that's what I had to do. I had to listen, and I had to be willing to learn, And that's back to the trap of unearned opinions. And then I recognize I can do what Christ is asking us to do um, is to love better because you understand people's roads. And um, this book, also all the proceeds go to a a gay young man up in Davis County who died by suicide, Stockton Powers. His parents set up a memorial scholarship fund, and his parents became friends as I was becoming an ally. and. I just felt a prompting to honor this young man who died by suicide. Um, his mother's wow. Instagram post talking about his suicides talked about he was a square peg trying to fit into a round hole and suffered immensely. And she challenged yeah. us to do better and to hashtag #IChooseLove. And that, f- I mean, she Instagrammed about the suicide of her teenage son the day after and put a picture up. And wow. Instagram's the happiest place on earth. Right. But I love this visual imagery of a square peg trying to defend a round hole and we recognize the science teaches us a square peg representing a gay latter descent, you can't become the round peg. You can't do something to become ungay, just like I have blue eyes taught, I can't do something to have brown eyes. Right. right. I'm right handed, I can't I guess I could learn to use my left hand to some extent. But so being LGBTQ is a Christ is a God given attribute um, that that is meant to be part of their life mission. So we need to take these square pegs and create square holes for them so that they fit in and that who they are, they are needed members of our church and society, and they have unique gifts and contributions. And if we want to find a bad guy in society or talk about society going downhill, let's talk about ISIS or fatherless society or murder and Let's move beyond demonizing LGBTQ people as a sign of the last days. Yeah, there's some LGBTQ people that want our church to fail and do really bad things, but there's straight people that do Do the same same thing. thing, So let's don't pin it on just a group of people. Um, So that's just part of maturing a society and and seeing gifts. So um, addictions. That's why I love your podcast and your guests that come on that talk about their journey with addiction and. I wish I'd listened to your episodes because before I became a singles word bishop, because so many of the YSAs were working on addiction, and right, yeah, and I've just recognized that um, I don't have the training you do. I have no clinical training, but just in my personal journey to minister, I've I've recognized we need to de shame, you know, just addiction, right, um, pornography in particular, maybe all sorts of addiction because I think that's Satan's biggest tool, um, right. I'm going to read an Instagram post. Yeah, please. <laughs> if I can find it really quick. Let's yeah, see how fast my fingers work <laughs> on my phone. Yeah. Um, but this gives you an idea of just um, um, working to solve porn, question mark. It's usually not rebellion from God or desire to make um, bad choices, but a coping mechanism to deal with stress, anxiety, and loneliness, or escape the realities of your situation yeah it's a sin but don't go down the shame road of self-loathing and thinking you are unworthy of God's love Satan doesn't win if you sin he wins if he can get you to believe the lie that you are unworthy of God's love um, nothing you can do can take you outside of God's love we don't need to be perfect now make steady progress Learn from your slip-ups. slip God loves you. Oh, that's powerful. So well said. So I've recognized these cravings and these triggers, and just, you know, whatever the addiction is, is, is how people's brains are wired. And yeah. we should honor, we should just recognize the brain is craving something the brain thinks it wants. Right. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. It's sort of, and that's where your work with um, your clinical work is helping people to manage. Um, that process, so they learn not to act out and in in a, in a way that's inappropriate and manage those cravings, but, right. And then even when you mess up, I've learned messing up is often part of the process to make progress. right. I like to talk about the difference between lapsed and relapsed. Lapse is where you mess up, but you use it as a learning experience to go back to your prevention plan and say, what happened here? Yeah, um what what were the what's the backstory of why I messed up right now? Re- relapses where you just throw in the towel and binge whatever yep. your addiction yeah. is yeah and so I think God doesn't expect us to be perfect and he's really happy with us as we make steady progress and he recognizes we mess up and I think he's okay with that yeah um it's what we do when we mess up that I think is where our biggest opportunity to exercise our agency is is how we handle that so those are just some of my thoughts. Um, well, trying are, to build hope and healing for those working on addictions. The very best YSAs in our ward were working to solve porn. Right. Um, most of the YSAs that were active in the church, that was part of their journey, men and women. And it surprised me, Todd. I just didn't realize, and I I just recognized they're the first generation dealing with 24-7 access on their phones. And they're also a stressed-out generation. They're full of anxiety and stress, and some of that's culturally driven by our church and a perfectionism culture yeah. that adds to the stress and anxiety and probably leads to more messing up. So we need to look inward at times at our culture and create better better space for people to be
0: okay with how they are right now. Right. Wow. Again, very well said. That's so awesome. You know, talking about love for a minute, you know, and you know, what was the hashtag? I choose love. Yeah. You know, so and and this is the mother of the son who committed suicide, and and if I understand correctly, all the proceeds from this book Go are going his, to the foundation they put together from, yes, in his name. Exactly, Todd. Wow, that is amazing. And I would imagine they're going to you know use that to help you know spread the word and spread love and yeah, and, it's a scholarship and, and for high school
1: students that show kindness to others. No way, and really. So it's a high school scholarship. It's not necessarily LGBTQ students or people that are kind to LGBTQ. It's just people that kind are inclusive period. at the high school level, which comes naturally for a lot
0: of our high school yeah. youth right now. That You're making me choke up. <laughs> That's Thanks. powerful. You know, I was reading in a book. I hope you don't mind me sharing this right now, but I was reading in a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And there was a line in that book that hit me... That hit me really hard, and it's a simple line, and I, I I always kind of assumed this and knew this, I guess, and the line was God doesn't have love, God is love and I know it's a simple little saying but it, it when I read that for some reason, it just pierced my heart I was like, yeah, that there it is I, I mean I think I know I do. I think we overcomplicate who God is and what he is. And, you know, I think some people think God's an umpire that, okay, you screwed up, strike one. You know, you got two more strikes and you're out, you know, kind of thing. And 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 as you were saying that, reading that post and uh, and when that hashtag, you know, I choose love, I think when you do that, you're really choosing God or connecting with God. And I just want to add, that one of the things I've been really challenging myself, my family, and my clients is that if we, if God is love, we are too. And then how do we connect with love? We give it away. We give away love to someone. And that could be as simple as like, like you said, you know, being kind to someone, like holding the door for someone or sending someone a note or paying them a compliment. Hey, you look really good today. Or Hey, I, I saw what you did the other day. I just want you to know how much I appreciate that. It's a good example to me. Little things like that, I'm telling you, that's when we are fully connected. And when we're connected, we don't want to use, we don't want to be, we don't want to do unhealthy behaviors, and we love who we are. And I don't care if you're gay, straight, or not. You you love who you are when you're connecting like that. Anyway, hope that's okay that, to share Todd, that. I love
1: that, Todd, and I love your great heart. And I... I sometimes think we create a false dichotomy in our brains that to fully love and follow God, we need to stop loving some of his children. And yeah, I look- that's, it sounds
0: I, crazy when you say it out loud. It's like, what? But it's like,
1: especially LGBTQ, I think we've created this culture, it's not our doctrine, it's not what Christ taught, that I need to separate myself to fully love and follow God from some of his children that may not be mm-hmm. on the covenant path, so to speak, or doing what God would want them to do. and Um, obviously there's straight and LGBTQ people outside the teachings of our church. But I look at the New Testament, um, and it said, Love the Lord with all thy heart, and love thy fellow men as thyself. I look at those as equal commandments. In fact, in in Moses, and this is I've written in the book, and I can't quote it. That's a scripture in the Pearl of Great Price for you Latter-day Saint listeners. It talked about actually loving our fellow men and then loving God. They were reversed. Um, It Mm -hmm. wasn't... And so I just think they're equal co-commandments. Yeah. And I think lo- sometimes we create a feeling that obedience is like the first law of heaven. And I, I don't want to discount that, but I think they're equal commandments to love um, and be obedient. Yeah. Um, religion for me, at my po- age at 59, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I'm not struggling with major obedience issues and right. a good relationship with God. So religion for me is a verb now less about me and um, my personal (laughs) journey and more about my relationship with other people. It's an action word to reach out and help other people the way many of our listeners are doing. Often it doesn't show up on an LDS tools calling. Many of you out there might not even be LDS, but you're serving other people. Religion is a verb for you because you're looking at the life of Christ and he practices religion a lot by going to marginalized groups of people and helping them feel his love yeah. and helping them feel people like them that society said wasn't worthy. He went and said, you're worthy. The woman at the well, the Canaanite woman, Zacchaeus the tax collector, the woman with the garment. There are mm-hmm. just so many examples of unclean quote-unquote people that Christ said, "No, you're clean to me, and I'll be with you." Yeah. So there's a doctrinal foundation in um, what you're doing and what listeners are doing, and what I think we need to do as a church and society is to love people, um, you know. And I just don't think we can love people too much, um, yeah. and we just leave decision making and judgment to Christ. Um. This is a slightly unrelated. Instagram posts. It's a little bit back to our first topic, but yeah, want to lower anxiety and stress for LDS youth and young adults? Eliminate these words from your vocabulary. Perfect obedience, exact obedience, and sin-resistant generations. <laughs> Set realistic goals about your best. Learn from your stakes, mistakes, and with Christ, look forward. Um, and it's not meant to Stop focusing on obedience, or right. um, s- not, and or sort of saying sin's okay. But sometimes, for some personalities in particular that are OCD or have a hard time feeling like they're ever good enough, these no one can be perfectly obedient or exactly obedient, or, yeah. or sin-resistant generation is sometimes something that it infers that we as parents can create an outcome for our children that they are so good and our parenting skills are so good that they will be <laughs> sin resistant. Right. And it creates this unreal expectation it sure does, yeah. that just adds to shame yeah. um, and self-loathing and not measuring up. And that's Satan's greatest tool. And so, um,
0: yeah, I just you think know what, we that, can do better. Yeah, and when you said that, it's, I deal with a lot of clients who, you know, they, they, they're they perfectionists, perfectionists. And if they don't quite hit the mark, which they never do, they feel, you know, depressed and shameful and not good enough. And it's amazing what forms there. Is there some more that you need to share? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I talk a lot about suicide, um, which is something obviously you d- you help people from a clinical perspective and your podcast. But suicide becomes a real option for people with addictions. They just get s- Yeah. there's no, someone told me, wh- I don't, you tell me there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's no light at the end of my tunnel. Yeah. Um, I don't have any hope that you're talking about. And for those people, you just sit with them in their pain. You point them to a good therapist. Um, You have to build hope that eventually there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel to give them something to hope for. But if you're suicidal, um, please tell somebody and please just choose to live another day. Um, But I validate how you feel um, Mm -hmm. and the burdens you feel and you feel I love this model of suicidality that Fallon <laughs> teaches that I've talked about a little bit on the podcast. It's three circles. It's, it's you're a burden, perceived burdenness. Um, second one is um, a feeling of not belonging. And the third one is a high acquiredness for risky behavior. Mm. So if you're LGBTQ, you feel like you don't belong in our church or society and right. something that's outside of your control to change And then your burden is sometimes feel like I'm messing up my eternal family because I'm gay. And uh, the whole family's better, worse off because they have a gay member. And so they, and then if they're risky behavior. So that model helps me for, particularly for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints to recognize why they're suicidal. So we have to help them feel like they belong. We have to feel like their family's better off having a gay LGBTQ, right? Uh, LGBTQ member, and a lot of parents get to that point where we're our family is better off because we have somebody that's part of this community in our family.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: And so, love that. Um, you know, if you're suicidal, please choose to live and please reach out for someone that's help. And it's a difficult spot you're in. Yeah. Um, I, a couple other quotes that come to mind, Todd, are I think of Mormon sort of things we say, and we often say about the gathering of Israel, um, which is in our faith, something we talk about. And I think I visualize a couple praying by their bedside that they'll find the truth and the missionaries knocking on the door. And that's certainly part of the gathering of Israel. But I also think the gathering of Israel is our own members that are struggling. Um, Our LGBTQ members, they're part of Israel, and we need to do a better job of gathering. People working through addictions that feel like people like them are no longer welcome in our church. Um, They're part of Israel. And We're not called to be sifters, Todd. We're not called to judge and sift who should be welcome in our church or not. We're called to be gatherers. Everything about the lost sheep parable teaches me that Christ knew the one who left. He knew that sheep well enough to know where that sheep left, why he left, and where to find him. Yeah. And so that may be someone struggling with addiction or feeling they're not welcome. And so that's part of our—we're called to be gatherers. And I believe at an LDS congregation, there should be no belief or behavior hurdle to feel welcome. The gate's wide. Yeah. The gate narrows, for those of you that LDS, at the temple where there's a belief and behavior hurdle. But at the congregation, we need to create a culture that everybody's welcome. Exactly, um, yeah. And we everybody's a needed member of the body of Christ, and there's no sifting going on. There's no looking around and saying, who's got tats or whose clothes don't measure up? or right. Who's got to, I mean, some things are pretty public that you're working through and other things are pretty private, but regardless, you should feel welcome.
0: Yeah, wow, very well said. Yeah, I think that's, you know, and I think that's why I love your podcast so much is because I think that's that's the, I guess if I can say it like this, the culture you're trying to create with this, right? That people really start, we start acting this way. I, I always say this when I was uh, when I would teach the youth, I'd say, Quit quoting Jesus, and be Jesus. Meaning, <laughs> and you know, like meaning, be the best you can about being honest today, and be the best you can about loving today. Be the best you can about maybe forgiving today. Just try to be that. You know, we can quote all day long, and we can act like we know everything, and and I'm guilty of that at times. But it's like, you know what? Am I actually being what I say I am? You know. And, That's powerful. And if the gospel's love, then I better be showing love, period. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what your struggle is. And, you know, I want to share this with you because I think you'll really appreciate this, too. You know, I work, as you know, with obviously a lot of people who are struggling, and, you know, a, a lot in the gay community I work with as well. But I had a guy that I was working with who was diagnosed with a medical condition um, a a mental condition. And he was devastated, you know? And and again, where's the light at the end of this tunnel? And I said to him, I said, I told him, and and I know this is going to sound cold for a minute. So just (laughs) bear with me listeners. I said, congratulations. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like, why are you saying that? I said, it's your superpower. I go that, that diagnosis is your superpower. And I say this to anyone, oh, your addiction, superpower. It's gonna it's gonna wake you up to your superpower. Your struggles as a LBGTQ, um, superpower. Because it's gonna cause you to have to dig probably a little deeper than maybe someone next to you. But because of that extra digging, wow, lucky you. Because you are gonna grow and you're gonna change the world because of this. So I wanted to share that because I, I know you you know, you would you know, feed off of that because I think that's I love that. I truly There's believe just, that.
1: I, I think that's what Christ would say if he were on the earth or meeting individually with people. I think we heal people and being vulnerable and we become the wounded healers. Elder Holland in his talk about the broken vessel did that with his own emotional health and Right. Our love for Elder Holland only increased with him being honest and vulnerable. Vulnerable, yep. And we can do that as leaders and as fathers and as male. We're both male here, obviously, but yeah. sometimes we create a feeling for what we should be as a father, as a husband, or male, or a church leader that doesn't have any of this vulnerability. I was seeing a therapist, Todd. Why I was a YSA bishop. Really? I've seen a therapist twice in my life, and wow. it was um, mostly just because my emotional gas gank got so low. <laughs> dealing yeah. with so many complex things that I needed a therapist. But yeah. I was—I never with, would have thought to tell the YSAs that, that their own bishop. And if I were to do that all over again, I'd tell them. Yeah, And I don't think it would have diminished my role in their lives or how they looked up to me. Or That's probably not the right term. I think it would have humanized me even further that they would have said, yeah. wow, yeah. the bishop's seen a therapist. You need Jesus and a therapist sometimes. Yeah, um, for sure. And so— I wish That's I'd powerful. been more honest about that mm-hmm. and yeah I recognize addictions for LGBTq people are often just a way to deal with the pain we've and so my empathy for LGBTq people working on addictions is pretty high because I recognize there is so much pain that they have felt from society from families from church and you got to deal with the pain and so yeah, yeah you deaden the pain and 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 so you Yeah, and so then you've got to move beyond that. But if we can do better, I I think LGBTQ will make better decisions because they're not dealing with so much pain that perhaps we're partly accountable. I am. Right. I am accountable for the things that I've said in the past
0: that have added to the pain of others. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, know, speaking about when you were just a minute ago pleading for those who might be thinking of suicide and, and to hold on and, and that thing, I, I, you know, as I as I think about that, I, I think we've all contributed to some people's pain without even at times not knowing that we did. But I, I love that plea that you gave out because I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but they don't see it yet. And that doesn't mean changing who you are or anything like that. It's more about, hey, and, and it goes along with what you just said a minute ago about being vulnerable. I really believe the amount of vulnerability you're willing to express will be equal to the level of happiness you'll experience. And so someone who's suicidal that might be listening to this, like, hold on, if you're willing to be vulnerable and share just with someone, I'm struggling, just that little bit of vulnerability, which takes a lot of, we call it, you know, five seconds of insane courage, (laughs) just say it you, that's when you'll start feeling connected, even in the moment when you share, it may not resolve everything, which it probably won't in that moment, but you'll at least feel connected with someone which will, will motivate and hopefully keep you staying here a little bit longer.
1: I love that. And I just, I love that. And I think, you know, a couple things come to mind is I've had the chances to offer priesthood blessings. Um, not as a, an LDS leader because I'm not, I just, I am not a bishop anymore, but just as a, a trusted adult that holds the priesthood in the church. And I've blessed some of the most valiant premortal spirits that are LGBTQ mm-hmm. and their unique life mission and their gifts and contributions. God understands, but as he kind of sent them off, I get this feeling that God just had tears in his eyes because he knew the difficult road they'd have, but he knew it would stretch them in a way that no other path would stretch them. And they're And their ability then to bring hope and healing and understanding to others would be increased. And I think that's true perhaps of people that have addictions and just difficult Mm -hmm. things, that God is not disappointed. Um, He wants you to overcome those um, and work with people like Todd and therapists and be open and vulnerable. But as you overcome those, you have more empathy. And I've always wanted the conference talk that says something like, we, we do have conference talks that say don't sin, and that's true, and I agree with that. But sometimes the process of sinning, which I'm not inviting people to do, the process of overcoming that brings increased Christ-like attributes into our lives yeah. of empathy and understanding and love and kindness, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. transforming in a way that no other road would allow. So that's not inviting people to sin, but it's recognizing mortality mm-hmm. is full of sin, and we're all imperfect and— right. So I think that's the way loving God, the atonement is just available for all of us. It's not, it's not when we mess up, we're back to square one. It's not like, okay, if I've messed up with whatever addiction, I'm back to all over to square one and all the atonement right. I've done and the work I've done is for naught. it's not. That's the way Satan wants you to feel. It's a journey and a slip up and a reset is just part of the journey to overcome this and it's okay to be where you are and not measure yourself against other people. I'd love to tell one story. Please, Um, yeah. I went to my 40th high school reunion this summer. I'm a Highland High graduate, a high school in Salt Lake City and I sat in the auditorium and I watched the pictures of those that had died from our class. And there was a guy who died and I knew he was gay and I knew he was LDS and as a high school senior, I didn't have any, I didn't know I could be his friend as a Latter-day Saint, so I separated myself from him. And he, like many that graduated from a class that were gay, there were f- there were just a few, but that era, 1979, the only place they could sort of have a feeling of belonging was usually big metro cities, right. and that's where they went. Um, and often that involved a, a just a, a faster road because no other roads really available. And that would include the club scene and drugs and alcohol. And I'm not sure this man took that road, but he eventually died of AIDS. Um, but he was one of the best and brightest. And as I saw his picture, um, and I write about him in the book without a name, um, mm. I just then that same week I met with Luke Warnock, who graduated from Corner Canyon High School as a student body president and a star member of his basketball team, who came out as gay. Mm. And he came over to visit me and came on the podcast. And he brought his high school friend with him, his fellow teammate, um, who's preparing for an LDS mission. Luke's not a member of our faith. And Luke was on the podcast. And I just recognize um, how much progress we've made in 40 years that Luke could come out in high school and his straight basketball friend. And there may be some weird dynamics with a straight, Mm -hmm. you know, being in the high school sports scene. Um, but it was a non event to his friend um, that his longtime friend is come out as gay and is dating men. And Andrew is the straight guy that is off um, preparing to serve a mission. And, and I just thought, what a great spot that Andrew is in. And I wish I could have been in that spot because Andrew knew he didn't have to choose between his gay friend and his church. Wow. He could be a friend of both. And his yeah. gay friend just was fine that Andrew was serving a mission. He just wanted to feel love and support for his path and that he wasn't becoming the poster boy for what's um, bad in the world. And yeah, but I thought of Luke and I thought Luke's going to go to his forty. he's not, he's going to be alive for his 40th reunion. And as the student body president, he's going to walk in there and be loved and supported and have right. a wonderful life. And my friend's gone. And so I looked at, I looked at the progress we're making and, and I wish I could go back and be a better friend 40 years ago. And some of you may feel the same way, but it's what Todd's sharing here. It's love. We don't compromise anything by loving other people. We don't follow God better by separating us from some people. It's a false dichotomy that culturally we may have created that we can learn to overcome. And we just leave all judgment. We leave all sifting to the Savior and his perfect understanding. And even if there's people that step away from our church, um, yeah, that's concerning to us, and we wonder about where they'll be in the next life and their eternal salvation. But I call it sad heavens. Sad heaven's when I mourn now a future outcome. It's like me mourning my Dodgers losing again in the (laughs) World Series and feeling all that emotional pain now. But for those of you that that are active in the Elders Church and have family members that have stepped away, don't feel sad heaven now. We have loving parents that have this beautiful plan of salvation that want to get as many of their kids that want to keep making progress back. So let's do what we can do. Keep our family circles together. Yeah. Um, make sure there's no empty chairs at the table of vacations and playing golf and now, um, yeah. now yeah. and not worry too much about the next life and who's going to be at the table and who's not. Let's leave that at the feet of our Savior not feel sadness now about a possible future outcome. And that's what love does for us, Todd, yeah. is we just love
0: people and we love them where they are and recognize everybody's on their own path. Wow, love so well said, Richard. Thank you so much. Um, it reminds me of a quote that I'm don't have memorized, but it's by James Allen and he says to the extent if you're one of those who are praying for and looking for a better world beyond the grave, here is a message of gladness for you. You may experience that world now and i th- i love what you were just saying there it's now let's fill the seats now you know let's don't oh hopefully they're full you no, let's do it now let's make sure our gay family members sitting at the dinner table with us our gay friend is sitting at the dinner table with us or at lunch with us or wherever it's now let's do it now and let's all be vulnerable and when we do that we'll experience so much more happiness and love in our lives But thank you for sharing that story. That was powerful.
1: And I love that, Todd. And my journey to sort of help LGBTQ gradually shifted from seeing myself as the good Samaritan rescuing somebody to being rescued Mm. um, by LGBTQ people and the things that they taught me and are teaching me about the gospel of Jesus Christ and vulnerability and honesty and being authentic and... Their Christ-like attributes to minister, particularly to p- other people on the margins—black, undocumented workers, people with addictions. So, yeah. I have not—I my personal journey is better off by having LGBTQ people in my life, and I believe our society and our church is missing out. Um, we, right. Yeah, we have a responsibility to help them feel a feeling of belonging, but they have gifts um, to help us. Um, grow if we're not part of that community in ways that perhaps we can't grow absolutely and so that's part of the beautiful plan here of getting to know people and um,
0: and it takes a little work um to sort of understand other groups of people yeah, wow, that's awesome. thank you so much um if you know if people want to reach out to you and you know maybe they haven't heard of or listened to your podcast. And then about your website and things like that. What would be the best way Thanks, Todd. Um, for them to do that?
1: I'm Richard Osler on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And my high school kids called me Papa Osler. So that's kind of a nickname that I've <laughs> yes. carried through on social media. And yeah. So you can DM me there. Um, I'm the oldest person on social media. I'm 59. And I think that's one of the things God got me into. Right. Um, but we did start a website, <laughs> listen, learn, and love.org. And you, it, my email address is there. My email is richard at oslergroup.com. That's just a work email that I use for personal reasons. And you're welcome to email me. And it, it, I'm open to criticism, um, by the way, because <laughs> um, I think it's my job as an ally is to listen to criticism. Some of it is valid and some of it I've moved on from, but I'm open to hearing people that are critical of my message or feel it should be improved because I want to be a voice of LGBTQ people and do it the very best way I can for LGBTQ people, not sort of the very best way that me as an ally. So that's part of my journey is to continue to try to learn um, and understand better. So um, thank you for the chance to share my contact information, Todd.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time today and sitting down and sharing, you know, your, your story and your experiences around all of this. It's been fascinating to listen to you. I love what you're doing. I look up to you um, in so many ways. You've actually helped me, which we won't get into now, but uh, in so many ways as well. I wanna thank you for that. I, you know, f- forever indebted to you. And I, I really think you are truly a light in this world that we need. And so thank you for being that uh, platform for other people. Uh, but more importantly, I think it all, it's, it's all about connecting with that love we were talking about.
1: I love that, Todd, and I'll leave just one quote. we please. We as Latter-day saints, are, we talk about being a peculiar people, and often we think that's sort of tied into our water wisdom, which mm-hmm. I think is great and the right. way we live our lives. But I think we can also be known as peculiar in the what you just said, uh, and what I'm sharing is the way we love people. Would it be cool if Latter-day Saints are known around the world about they are the most loving to the most marginalized groups of people and they are most peculiar in following Christ's example to be with everybody that people thought they shouldn't be with? And that's my hope is that as we continue to evolve as a church, that we're known for being a peculiar people, tongue twisted, (laughs) in our ability to love others and to follow Christ's like example. Thanks for having me chance, and thanks, Todd, for your friendship and your unique, beautiful ministry. Someday you're going to get on the other side of the veil when you're 95 or 100, and <laughs> um, you're going to get a full totality of your unique ministry and the hundreds of lives you've blessed and with your life and your unique journey. And your, So thank you for your what you're doing and the lives you're blessing. Thank you so much.
0: Well, folks, there you have it. There's Richard Osler, man, amazing man an amazing person with amazing insight and you know a shout out to the lgbtq community we love you guys Um, we're here to help you again like what richard said earlier if you're struggling please reach out to someone or to richard or to myself we'll obviously be there to help you Um, please be you know looking for Richard's book, Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing the LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, coming out September 2020 this year. Looking forward to that. Steve Young wrote the foreword. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for believing in me. And again, like I said, another amazing individual. This is such a, a, a neat experience to be able to sit across and listen to these stories week after week. So thank you for uh, believing in me. And until next time.